What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Nurse Ree, and you're tuning in to Forensic Nurse Files. This is an informative but fun true crime podcast that follows the careers of three forensic nurse examiners. We just want to note that this podcast uses foul language, some sarcasm, and contains descriptions of adult themes and violence that some people may find disturbing. So if you need support, please check the show notes or visit our website. Hello, everybody. This is Nurse Ellie. And Nurse Ree. Hey, Nurse Ree. How's it going? Just enjoying life, enjoying the summertime as hot as it is. Like, I feel like once the winter comes, I'm going to be wishing for summer again. <laughs> I know. It's so hot. It, we always want what we don't have, right? <laughs> so right. can't wait for those so long true. nights and being able to sit outside and the barbecues and the beach and everything else. And then we're so hot, we want winter and then, um, and then we're freezing and we're looking for summer again, but exactly, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks everybody for tuning into our podcast again. Uh, today we are going to discuss signs of abuse, all different kinds of abuse. And uh, so you can help recognize somebody who may potentially be a victim of abuse. We're going to talk about some characteristics of abusers and we're going to talk about how to report abuse and what happens once you do. So it's a little bit, uh, you know, uh, I would say a very broad subject because we're going to talk about different types of abuse, um, which has different types of, uh, I would say, signs or symptoms or indicators of the abuse. I think that we should probably recap on the different types of abuse first before we start talking about signs. How do you feel about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great idea. And I think this is a good topic because it ties into every type of case that we see. So all of these signs and warning signs and characteristics of abusers are going to tie into any type of case, elder abuse, our suspicious injuries, our domestic violence, sexual assaults, they all play a role. Just a couple quick facts for you guys. This is kind of crazy. Two thirds, around two thirds of people that are harming vulnerable adults are family members, and they're most often the victim's adult child or their spouse. So I think that that's really interesting because when we think about people getting assaulted or being sexually abused, we always think it's a random act, but more often than not, it's someone the victim knows. Right. And that that's across the board, I think, for uh, most types of abuse. Of course, for uh, interpersonal violence, domestic violence, some people call it, that's obvious that that's somebody they know. Uh, child abuse usually is someone they know, but not always. Uh, most often it is. And again, like you're saying with elder abuse, vulnerable, dependent adults abuse, the same. Um, you know, it's, you know, we tend to think of, like you say, sexual assaults or abuses as like some random, you know, psycho serial killer stranger person on the streets, but that's not the case. And I think that a lot of us know or have known somebody in which we suspect that maybe they're experiencing some type of abuse. You know, I was just thinking the other day about a mother of one of my now adult son's friends. I can remember back in the day, um, her having a black eye and, you know, saying her husband sometime, you know, loses his temper. And she had some excuse as to why she had a black eye that wasn't related to abuse, but thinking, you know, looking back, you know, I was, I'm pretty confident that she was a victim of interpersonal violence. So, um, it's about like, you know, this episode is supposed to help give you some 
you know, background knowledge, some insight as to things that you might want to look for if you suspect that somebody you know is being abused in some type of way. And then again, what do you do? Once you know, what do you do about it? So we'll try to make it a little bit, um, I would, I don't know, like clearer or easier for you to act on something. Cause a lot of times we want to sit back and not do anything because we feel like it's none of our business. I don't want to, um, yeah. you know, tell somebody and now the person's in more danger and I made it worse than it was before, or they, someone might get mad at me. Uh, so we're going to dispel some of those myths. One of the most common types of abuse is physical abuse, right? So that's intentionally harming mm-hmm. someone else's body. Um, and so that can be, you know, slapping, p- pinching, choking, kicking, anything that is causing bodily injury to another individual, even forcing someone to inappropriately use drugs or physically restraining them. Those are all signs of physical abuse. And that's probably the most common one we hear of when we think of abuse. Yep. And then, of course, there's sexual abuse, which we've spoken to quite a bit because that's a lot of what we deal with in our role as a forensic nurse examiner. So just to reiterate, sexual abuse is non-consensual sexual contact. That's any any unwanted sexual contact. For example, unwanted touching, rape, sodomy, coerced nudity, sexually explicit uh, photographing. You know, those are some of signs of um of sexual abuse. Yeah, I think that explicit photographing is a big one that we don't think about. And especially now that we're in such a more like digital online age, um, taking inappropriate pictures of somebody, people placing cameras in Airbnbs, in bathroom settings, watching people change, all that kind of stuff, people sending unsolicited dick pics, like those are all types of sexual abuse. Oh, yeah, the unsolicited dick pics. Have you ever done (laughs) dated online? (laughs) (laughs) have you (laughs) you know like that's like a prerequisite (laughs) so when I um when I first became single again after I was divorced after many years of marriage um I was with my ex-husband in totality for almost 18 years so my some of my co-workers uh encouraged me to get back on the dating scene and go online and just meet people because you know when you're older and you're not you know, it's a little bit harder to meet people unless you meet people at work. And then there's that, you know, kind of like maybe you don't want to date somebody at work in case it doesn't work out. So Mm -hmm. I went on plenty of fish. That was the first one I went on, which Mm -hmm. is, I guess, kind of like a, I guess that one's known to be more like casual dating hookups. It's like a Tinder. Yeah. Like, like a Tinder. I don't think there was Tinder at the time. Maybe there was, and I just didn't know, but literally um, I think that's about the majority of what I got after I gave my number were dick pics. So oh. kind of funny. <laughs> dick pics. <laughs> so we used to compare <laughs> back in the day, me and the other nurses working in the ER. So um, anyway, so, but it's not just, you know, that is some of it, but what happens also it is, um, you know, there are, you know, let's say you're, uh, let's just take a male and female relationship. Okay. A lot of the time with these younger younger persons, you know, maybe minors, maybe they're, you know, in high school, junior high school, and they like a boy and the boy likes them and start ask them to send pictures or let me just take pictures of you. They're just for me. You know, that's abuse when they do that. And they actually share it with other people. And you're not fully consenting, you know, for to that or you can't even consent when you're underage. So um, so that's another form of sexual abuse. Um, and then uh, we have, uh, this is a little bit harder to identify, is mental mistreatment or an emotional abuse. 
um, you know, of course, physical abuse is obvious when it leaves marks, right? Um, mm -hmm. But the mental mistreatment or emotional abuse is deliberately causing mental or emotional pain. So what are some examples of that? Maybe um, intimidation, coercion, ridiculing, harassment, treating an adult like a child or isolating an adult from family, friends, or regular activity. Um, sometimes it's the use of silence to control behavior. You ever get the cold shoulder, the silent treatment? Um, it could be yelling, swearing, anything that can cause some type of um, mental distress. You know, maybe, again, this could be in child abuse type situations. It could be in school settings with bullying. It could be in relationships, you know, adults, et cetera. Yeah. And a, a big one that comes to mind with that is gaslighting. And I think that that's a newer term that's like just now coming to light. But I think it's very indicative of things that a lot of people have been through in relationship settings. Say you know that your partner is doing something wrong and you bring it to their attention or you want to talk to them about it and they just make you feel like you're crazy. Like that's not happening. Why would you think that? Um, like that is gaslighting and that's not okay. And that causes a lot of mental distress in individuals that are in relationships. Have you ever been a victim of gaslighting? Oh my God. More often than not, girl. More often than not. Same, same. And it is literally like, I don't know how you would describe it, but you feel like you're crazy. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what their goal is. They're trying to make you feel crazy so that you let go of this notion or this feeling or, or so that they can get away with whatever they're doing. Do you think they know like they're doing it intentionally or are they just like sociopathic personalities or what I mean what do you think or narcissists I think that they know that they're doing it because if you're confronting someone about something that they did they know that if they did or didn't do it right and if if you both know that they did and they're still denying that they did it I think that it's an intentional I don't know if they're intentionally trying to hurt you but I think that they're intentionally lying about it I think it's a form of manipulation Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which can cause emotion. It's a form of mental mistreatment or emotional abuse also. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then I don't know, you want to talk about um, exploitation? Yeah. So that's when a vulnerable adult or their resources or income or are illegally or improperly used for another person's profit or gain. So let's say someone's illegally withdrawing money out of another person's account. We see that a lot in elder abuse. Let's say mm -hmm. that it's their child or their caretaker. They're, you know, they're forging checks or stealing things out of their house. That Those are forms of exploitation. Yeah. Uh, and that's sad. I hate to see that. Um, elder abuse cases are near and dear to my heart. I said that before. I did geriatrics yeah. for like a hot second. But mm -hmm. um I just love the young and the old. Like, it's just so sad to me. Like, they've so been through something probably already in their life. And then here they are dependent on somebody just to help them. And they're stealing from them. I know. And anything they do, it makes me so sad. Because it's, you know, when you say you have the passion for the old and the young. And, and you know, um, for those of you who haven't listened to all our episodes, Nurse Ree is a pediatric intensive care nurse. And she's also worked in geriatrics. So those are the, our most vulnerable populations. 
those mm-hmm. very young and the very old and dependent adults. So it takes a special heart to do that, but they are most vulnerable to those, these types of crimes. Another one is neglect. So that could, you know, that occurs when a person either through their actions or lack of actions deprives a vulnerable person, adult child or other of the care necessary to maintain their physical and mental health. So that could be things like not providing basic items for them, food, water, shelter, clothing, not giving them their medications that they need, uh, neglecting health care, dental care, etc. And then there's um, and then there's abandonment, uh, mm-hmm. which goes kind of hand in hand with that a little bit. But it that's when someone's left without the inability or I mean, without the ability to obtain those items. So again, it could be anybody who's vulnerable, but I think mostly children and those elderly dependent adults and dependent adults, things like getting their own food, shelter, you know, et cetera. Um, You know, or maybe even leaving kids at home or that uh, dependent adult home for extended periods of time and they're unable to care for themselves. So um, you know, even, you know, and it could be for hours, it could be weeks, it could be months. So those, that's abandonment, you know? So yeah. again, those are just to kind of refresh our, refresh us all our listeners on some of the different types of crimes of abuse. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and with each one comes signs. So the first one that we talked about is physical abuse. And that's usually the most obvious, uh, because oftentimes it leaves an injury. So it could be things like bruising, you know, um, black eyes, welts, lacerations. They may have marks like rope marks or marks from um, different types of objects that may have been used to injure them. Broken bones, um, you know, look for things like uh, like that on a body. So um, a lot of the time uh, people don't talk about, you know, their abuse because they're embarrassed or they're afraid of their abuser. So those are, um, you know, things that we can look for on their bodies, you know, physical things. Also, um, if there's a sudden change in behavior. So those are things that you can look for. And we're going to get, this is kind of broad. We're going to talk a little bit more in depth after this about child abuse specifically, because um, there are some extra things that we can look for. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and this is probably like the first part that we're talking about is geared a bit more towards adults. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's signs of sexual abuse. I know that, um, that this is a topic that you're very well versed in. If you want to talk about the signs of sexual abuse that you might see. Sexual abuse is hard. Um, weak because we don't always have injuries. So when people come in for their exams, we look over their entire body. We talked about last episode, how we collect evidence in the previous episode before that, how we f- photograph our patients. So we look over their entire body and then we also look over it with the alternative light source. And so we're looking for bruises and those can be anywhere around the body. But when we're doing our sexual assault abuse cases, we really want to look around the genital area, the breast, the neck. Those are all very common areas that we can find bruises. We look for unexplained STDs or infections in the genital area, unexplained vaginal or anal bleeding, torn, stained, or bloody undergarments, meaning the bra, underwear. Um, And then any individual's report of being sexually assaulted or raped. So 
Sexual abuse is hard because there's also a mental component that comes with it, especially when it comes to children. And like Nurse Ellie said, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But people who are very apprehensive of taking off their clothing or don't want to show, which everyone's already apprehensive about taking off their clothing. Nobody wants to just undress in front of another person. But when there's an extreme fear of that or an extreme distrust, those Those are instances where we want to dig a little deeper and just maybe there's something else going on there. Right. Right. And then a lot of our listeners out, you know, may or may not have contact with elder, you know, adults or dependent adults. But for those of you that do, or you leave somebody that you love or know in the care of others, these are things that you can look for. So there are the adult daycare centers where um, a lot of people who are taking care of their elderly parents, for example, have to leave their their loved one at these facilities during the day while they work. And if you have some type of, you know, feeling or um, intuition that something might be going on, those are signs that you can look for. Um, another, oh, yeah, I actually have a story about that yeah. because I call the other night from an officer. They didn't know what their course of action should be. There was an elderly adult who had had a traumatic brain injury. So she was able to communicate very minimally. She was nonverbal. She was in a nursing home. And the family was suspicious that something was wrong because the way she communicated with them had changed. And so they sensed something was off. So, and I'm not saying this is the right thing to do, but this is what the family did. They placed a hidden camera in her room and they saw on camera, the nurse come in, uncover, take her blankets off of her, uh, jack off. So he was masturbating and then came on her feet. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So they're asking me what their course of action should be. Do they, because we we're not traveling all the way out there to do this. I just advise them, you know, I would take photos and I would swab her feet. I would probably do a whole sexual assault kit because this is the only time that you've actually caught on camera. We don't know what else he's done. Wow. Yeah. So that was my advice to them was if they can get a nurse to come out and do a whole kit, then do that. But if not, then I would for sure at least swab her feet and look over her whole body if you can get um, a hold of an alternative light source and just look. And just to re-educate some of our listeners, an alternative light source is a tool that we use as a forensic nurse examiner to um, try to discover any DNA on our patient who is the victim of the crime. What it is is... um, we have goggles that we wear and we turn out the lights and we use this light. It's like a flashlight, but it's a little different. Um, and we shine it on the patient. And if there's any bodily fluids, they'll light up. So if we see those bodily fluids light up, then we'll swab those areas. It's naked. Most often it's naked to the human eye, but you can see that remnant. And we swab that area in attempt to get um, evidence or DNA from the patient. So Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. See, this is the thing is you just never know. And um, it would be nice if everybody out there that um, chose to be a caretaker is good. But unfortunately, that's not the case. There are some people that go into that field because of their deviant behavior. So exactly. So just like noticing, like Ellie said, changed behaviors are a big red sign. Even if like in that case, the patient was nonverbal, 
um, the family was still able to notice a change of behavior and be suspicious about that and and to dig deeper and wanting to figure out like what is going on here. So not saying they went about it the right way, but I mean, maybe in their case, that was the right way. I'd do it. I would go about it that way. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you're going to (laughs) know. Right. I would go about it that way. (laughs) So yeah. Hey, you know what? You got to take care of, you got to take care of your own. I mean, no one else is going to do it. And all it is, is, you know, your word against theirs. Now they've got some hard evidence and now maybe they can get some more hard evidence, some DNA. Wow. Exactly. So, um, you know, and then another one, like, um, so that's sexual abuse and you said the changed behaviors, um, and that's for, uh, mental, mistreatment or emotional abuse, change behaviors is one of the big signs. So things like mm-hmm. being, um, you know, I mean, when I say change in behavior, again, it's change, something that that person wasn't doing before, like they may become like agitated, or emotionally upset. So if you have someone who's nonverbal, they might be, you know, irritated, um, jumpy, crying, mm-hmm. they may withdraw mm-hmm. and be non responsive, uh, things, you know, these are things that a lot of the time, um, there are some other things that are attributed to dementia, things like, you know, sucking, biting, rocking, but that's not necessarily related to dementia. So you want to make sure that the, uh, what is the root cause of that change in behavior, um, nervousness around mm-hmm. people around certain people. So let's just say you have, um, let's just say you have a certain family member. Whenever they come to the house, you see a change in behavior in that person. That could be an indicator. Or again, like always, like we say, the person reports that something's going on, you know, believe them if they say something. Don't think that, you know, let's just say they're elderly. Oh, they're just crazy. Oh, you, they just don't remember. Oh, they they have dementia, whatever it is. Not necessarily. Um, right. you know, and then the signs of neglect also, um, you know, yeah. And this is a big one. So we might have a patient that comes in, um, and we get called to the emergency department to go take a look at the patient. So let's just say it's a, you know, one of those more vulnerable populations, a child or a elderly or dependent adult. Um, and they're not there for that. they maybe they're there for a urinary tract infection or, you know, or, you know, some type of other problem. Um, mm-hmm. so things like dehydration, signs of dehydration or malnutrition. Another one is a big one is for those who are, uh, immobile or mostly immobile are bed sores and untreated bed sores, um, poor personal hygiene. So they might smell, have like remnants of feces on them, or they might smell like urine or just dirty in general. Um, they may mm-hmm. have other health problems that are untreated. For example, they have a history of maybe diabetes, hypertension, and they're not on medications for those. Um, you know, so those are things that might alert the provider into calling us to come take a further look into it, find out if something's going on. Um, and, and then again, is um, hazardous or unsafe living conditions. So if you know somebody who's, um, you, you know, you, you know, like they're elderly and you know, you're kind of feeling like uncomfortable about where they're living, maybe you know, they have, they're, they don't have any working toilets or the, they don't have any hot water or even running water. Um, you know, just unsafe living conditions, unsanitary. So there may be, you know, feces or urine from animals in the house, um, cockroaches, the bed, you just might even smell, you might not even see it because it might be another room, but you might come to the house and, or be at their house and you just smell an odor that just doesn't smell clean. And those Mm -hmm. are, um, signs of neglect. 
Yeah. And also when it comes to children, these are things that we look for a lot. Dehydration, malnutrition. Usually if a child is brought in, there's already a record of their weight just on a continuum. If they're coming to the same hospital that they're normally seen at, you'll see if they're consistently losing weight. And then that's a red flag that we look for. Or if they have a really bad diaper rash that the parents are not doing anything about. That's another thing that is a red flag for us. So why is this diaper rash? What are you doing for their diaper rash? And they don't have an explanation. Um, That is a red sign. Or we've had kids that are uncircumcised and they come in and their foreskin is like caked up and you can't retract it. What are you, what's going on here? That those are signs that they're being neglected. Yeah. Yeah. Those are things that we look for. Um, all those things, you know, in children, adolescents, adults, anybody, these are the signs of, uh, neglect. Um, you talked a little bit about exploitation. I don't know if you want to get into that. Yeah. So we talked about, you know, money situations and people stealing money, um, on unauthorized withdrawals using the victim's ATM card, abrupt changes in how they spend or their um, financial documents. So like, let's say all of a sudden out of nowhere, there's a change in their will and all of a sudden their caregivers on there or, you know, a child that wasn't previously on the will is suddenly on there. And it's maybe a victim that is not able to communicate that. Those are red flags. Unpaid bills, despite them having all the money readily available to pay for those. I talked about forging signatures on checks. Those are all signs of exploitation. Maybe even the caregivers providing services that are not necessary to that patient. So, and then they're trying to bill for that. These are all things. I mean, I watched recently watched that documentary on Netflix, Take Care of Maya. I'm sure people have heard of it. I encourage everybody to watch it. Unfortunately, the hospital was billing for services that they weren't providing. And that is a huge freaking red flag. So another thing that comes to mind is medication. So um, sometimes you have that, that uh, person, the dependent person uh, who is on certain medications, like pain medications because of their diagnosis. And they're in a ton of pain, like you're intractable to pain because they can't get rid of it because the um, caregiver is actually either themselves taking the pain medications or selling them. Mm-hmm. So that's another that's thing. A really, really big one, especially in our like crisis that we're in right now. Right now it's fentanyl. It's, it's always a new drug, but those are huge things to look out for. Yeah. So anyway, so that's some, just some things you can look for if you're suspicious or have any type of intuition that something's going on. And those, again, are for all persons, but geared a little bit more towards elderly and dependent adults. So that's going to wrap up part one of our Signs of Abuse episode. If you're still listening, thanks for sticking with us. Make sure y'all check out our website, ForensicNurseFiles.com. And as always, you can catch us on Facebook and Instagram at Forensic Nurse Files and on TikTok at Forensic Nurse Files Pod. We would love if you would do us the favor of leaving a rating, a review, sending us an email, forensicnursefilespod at gmail.com. Just give us some feedback. But until next week, y'all stay safe and we'll catch you next time. 